Uh, this morning we're starting a brand new series on the Holy Spirit, and I'm really believing the Lord is really going to do something very impactful in our lives through this. In fact, I had first, I, I, as, I, as I stood up to preach first service, it wasn't a part of my sermon or my plan, but I really sensed the Lord wanted us to do this first service, and again, this second service is what we did is we stopped before I preached, and, we, and I, what I asked first service, and I'm going to ask you to do it, is to simply hold your hands out before the Lord, and I'm going to pray a prayer. You can pray along with me, but I'm going to pray a prayer that's going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal Himself to us individually and corporately in ways that He never has before more fully, and to ask us to take our fear and to give us faith and to move into all that He is and all that He wants for us. And so um, I'm going to pray a prayer like that. And so if you, if you want to open your, yourself up to the Lord in a very fresh way, ask the Lord to do something in your life, very new, very fresh during this series, I want to ask, ask you to join me. Just simply uh, bow your head in prayer and hold your hands out in front of you, the sign of faith of receiving from the Lord. Holy Spirit, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your presence in this place. As we sang earlier, you are welcome here. You're welcome in our individual lives. You're welcome in this church. You're welcome in our home. You're welcome in our places of employment. We open up ourselves to you. Teach us how to relate to you. Teach us how to interact with you. Teach us how to walk with you. Teach us how to um, be soft towards you. We honor you. We give you your rightful place this morning. And I ask for that those of us that have had fears, those of us that have had, um, had concerns of excess or not even understanding who you are and how you work and what you do, that you would remove that fear. I thank you that you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And so right now we open ourselves up to you, Holy Spirit. And we say, reveal yourself afresh and anew to us. And if that's your prayer, would you say amen? Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. 79-year-old Irene Adkins heard a knock on her door. As she heard the knock on the door, she was startled by it. And she went and she looked through the, through the, the peephole. And she looked at the, the peephole. She saw a, a, a silver-haired gentleman who looked vaguely familiar, although she did not know him. She was soon to find out that that was actually her long-lost brother that she had never met. You see, what happened with Irene was, uh, when she was a very small child, her parents, during the depth, the, 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 the deepest, darkest, most difficult part of the Great Depression, had moved their family west to California. And in moving the family west to California, they had a, 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 just a travel trailer, a camper, that was just broken down. It was, it was old, it was rickety, and they had three kids, small kids. Our parents didn't know what to do. They pulled over on the side of the road, and they, and they left the camper, and they left the three kids. The police came, and they found the kids, and they placed them in, in homes, and they were adopted, and they, and they, and they grew up, and, and they lived life. What they didn't know is that what Irene didn't know, had no idea of, was that her parents had they had got back on their feet, they had started another family, and they had a, a boy named Terry. And when Terry was 14 years old, his parents sat down and told him the bitter truth of what had happened and what they had done. And he began a lifelong mission to find his siblings. And when Irene was 79 years old, 
He showed up on her door, knocked on her door, and was reunited with her. This was the year 2010. It's a true story. And what Irene said is she goes, she goes, I had no idea that I had this brother. And she said, it, 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 I had no idea he was there. And she said, the so many questions I had about life made sense once I met my brother. Uh, friends, I've pastored for 20 years. And, and as, I, as I encounter people who come to know the Holy Spirit in a very real and very powerful way, their response is often like our Irene's, is, is that they experience God in a way that they had never known Him before. They never knew God like this before. And it made Christianity, it made the Bible, it made things come so alive. And so my prayer this morning for us as we begin this series is that we will encounter, maybe some of you will encounter a God, the Holy Spirit that you've never even really known, that you've never really walked with. And my prayer is, and as I've been preparing for this, I've been trying to press in to the Holy Spirit. I've been trying to, to, to get to know Him even more and more and more. And that's my prayer for you. And so this morning, we're going to talk about who He is. The first thing He is, is He is our helper. And you find, the, you find the Holy Spirit all through the Bible. You can Google search Holy Spirit and Bible or some great Bible software just free is BibleGateway.com. You can go to BibleGateway.com. You can type in Spirit, and it'll pop up like 563 times that, that Spirit is used. In fact, over the next five, six weeks as we're doing this series, that'd be a great devotional. Just go in and just start going verse by verse of the Bible and just read all the verses where the Spirit of God is. It's amazing all the different aspects of how the Holy Spirit shows up in Scripture. In the New Testament, 103 times the actual word Holy Spirit is used in the NIV. You can find that and just read all the different... It's amazing the truth, amazing what will happen if you begin to read those passages. The very beginning in Genesis chapter 1-2, it talks about how, how the, the earth was formless, it was void, there was a great deep the great depths of the, of the oceans, and the Holy Spirit was hovering over, over it all. So he was here from the very beginning. He's always been here. He's a part of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit of, of, of bringing life, creation out of chaos. And, and one of my, and so as you, as you begin to understand who the Holy Spirit is, it's important for us to know or to remember that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people for a season. He would anoint them. Maybe they would do a great exploit. They would give a prophetic word. Uh, he would use them, but the Holy Spirit would come for a moment, he would anoint them, and then he would, he would, he would ascend back up. It was only momentarily. In fact, even in the, at the end of the Old Testament, there's a 400-year period where, where the Holy Spirit isn't even on the scene. This is, there's, there's nothing. The Lord is not even speaking to his people. And then we have the New Testament where everything, everything changes. Everything changes. In fact, we see in, in, um, in Luke chapter 3, we have the account of when Jesus was baptized so he, Jesus is being baptized, and, and, and as he was being baptized, it says Luke chapter 3, verse 21, 22, heaven was opened up and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. The Holy Spirit didn't come upon him as a dove, but the Holy Spirit descended upon him, and the way it was described would be like a dove descending. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. And so here we have, we know that when Jesus was born, he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit came upon Mary and he was, he was conceived fully God, 
fully man. And then at his baptism, we see the Holy Spirit come upon him. And he sets a pattern. He sets an example for us here of being anointed of the Holy Spirit, of being full of the Spirit of God. It is this, it's at this, before this, we have no record of any miracles taking place. His public ministry has not started. But when the Holy Spirit descends upon him, comes upon him, it's at that point that he begins his, his, his earthly ministry. It's at this point where he moves into the season of three years of miracles, of signs and wonders, of declaring the kingdom of God is at hand. And, and it gives us a model, it gives us a picture of communion with the Father and then advancing the kingdom of the Father. And so this is so critical. It's right after this, Luke 3, where the Spirit leads him into the wilderness and, and he faces the, that, the great temptation. You guys remember those story. And then in Luke 4, um, we have the account where he comes into the synagogue, he opens the scroll, and he declares the great prophetic passage of Isaiah 61, saying, the Spirit of God is upon me, he's anointed me to preach the good news, to set the captives free, that he begin, and then he begins to he begins his ministry. And so it is us like Jesus that apart from that we are dependent on the Holy Spirit. And, and it's so amazing. Jesus, 100%, 100% man, 100% God, began his ministry. We see him working after the Holy Spirit has come upon him. And so it's a great lesson for us. So he walks with the disciples for three years. They do ministry. Amazing things happen. And then he's getting ready to leave. And before he leaves, he, he, he downloads to them some very important instructions. And we find those in each of the four Gospels. When we come to the Gospel of John, uh, he spends a lot of time talking about the Holy Spirit. Remember, he's been with these guys for three years. They've, they've lived together. They've, they've been on boats when there's been um, uh, great storms. They've, he's taught them. They've faced the elements together. I mean, just imagine the intensity of their relationship, the closeness of what's going on. And so he begins to unpack, he begins to share with them some of the very, very important truths of what is about to happen. You see, because he doesn't want them to be unaware. You see, a, gr- a great leader will let his followers know, hey, this is what's coming. I don't want you guys to be surprised. This is this is what's about to happen. And Jesus is the greatest leader of all time is, is saying, hey, this, guys, I want you to be ready. This is about what's to happen. I'm going to prepare you guys. And so we see him preparing, for his de- preparing the disciples for his departure in John chapter 14. Would you open your Bibles to John chapter 14? John chapter 14, verse 16. And he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor or yours may say advocate or yours may say helper he will give you another advocate helper to help you and be with you forever so so what does that mean he's gonna he's gonna give you another the greek here another means another of the same kind not another of a different kind but another of the same kind any anybody here like coconut cream pie okay yeah it's getting close to lunchtime you're like yes yes sir i do so imagine you go to lunch today and you order a coconut, a piece of coconut cream pie, right? And it's like, oh, that was good. That was good. And, the, and then the server comes back and says, hey, pie's free today. Would you like another piece? And would you like another piece of, of, of pie? And you're like, yes, I would. Thank you very much. And then the server brings you some gooseberry pie, right? And you're like, wait, I, I thought I was getting coconut cream pie. And I mean, they're both pies, right? And you may like gooseberry pie. But they're, they're, they're both pies, but they would be the same of a different kind. What Jesus is saying is, I'm going to give you another of the same kind. Exactly how I am 
is how the Holy Spirit is going to be. It's another of the exact same kind. He goes, I'm going to give you this advocate, this helper. Well, what, what does this word mean? This is a, a very complex word, actually a very powerful word. And it's a compound word of helping, of coming alongside. Paraclete, parakletos is the Greek word. The idea here is one of advocate. You'd think of like an attorney that would come alongside of you, that would defend you, that would help you, that would represent you, that would coach you, that would be there for you, that would, would serve you in that manner. That's a picture um, of the Holy Spirit, one who comforts, one who's an intercessor, one who's a counselor, one who provides strength, one who has come to stand by. Many of your translations say comforter, that, that he is a comforter to us. We need, we need that comforter. You know, it's interesting in, in our house because we have, we, have, we have comforters, blankets. You know, you know I'm talking about comforter, blanket. And it's, and it's interesting too because I can tell this story. Heather went home to get, a, get the house ready for gas. So we have comforters that you can use and comforters you can't use, right? So we celebrated 21 years of marriage this week. I didn't know all of this when we first got married. I didn't know that's how it well, I didn't. In fact, one, one, one afternoon, I was laying there on the couch watching the Cowboys. Heather watch it, comes in and goes, Jay, what are you doing? And I said, I'm watching Tony Romo choke and lose a game. And, and, she, and she goes, no, really, what are, you, what are you doing with that comforter? And I said, I'm, I'm rolled up in it. I'm, I'm comfortable. This is, this is why it's called a comforter. I like it. This is nice. And she goes, no, that comforter's not to use. That comforter is to look at. It's supposed to just look there and be pretty. And say, you know, some people treat the Holy Spirit that like that. He's just to look at. Or he's, it's 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 not something you really use or engage. Or I don't know about your our house. We have like towels that the family can use and towels that everybody else can use. And nigh let the two not cross. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Can, so and and okay, you've been there, right? Where you're trying to get out of the shower and you reach. And you forgot to get a towel, right? And so then you have a decision to make. Am I going to use the guest towel? Or am I going to walk across the bathroom wet to try to find the towel I can use, right? And so, you know, so you, okay, so you take your wet body across, across the, the bathroom and you open the cabinet and there's not a towel, there's a washcloth. But yeah, you, you've been there, haven't you? But there's not a towel. And so then you have to make another decision. Do I use the guest towel or do I take my wet body all through the house looking for a towel I can use? And you're in trouble either way, right? You're in trouble either way. So, the Holy Spirit is not like that. He's not just for guests. He's not just for show. He's a comforter that is there for us every day. To be with us. He's not for show. He's not for looks. He's there with us. I like Exodus chapter 3 to 1. It tells a story about an artisan who the Holy Spirit came upon him and he was able to do great crafts. He was able to, to do great masonry, great stonework, great woodwork in building the tabernacle because the Holy Spirit was upon him. See, the Holy Spirit is very, very practical, everyday use in our life as a comforter, as a friend, as as an advocate, as that help, and that's who the Holy Spirit is. The very first thing is the Holy Spirit is my helper. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And I don't mean, and that could sound kind of condescending. 
oh, you're my little helper. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying he is one who comes and he helps and he strengthens and he resources and he allows us, he, he, he makes that difference in our life. If we continue in John, John chapter 14, uh, verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. You see, that's present and it's future tense. Jesus is saying, you, he's not a stranger. You know the Holy Spirit. He's with you right now. He was in Jesus. He was upon Jesus. Jesus was with him. He's like, he's not stranger. It's not different. The Holy Spirit is with you, but he said, everything's going to change because now no longer is the Holy Spirit going to be with you. He's going to be in you. And that, my friends, is the game changer for every one of us, that the Holy Spirit is in us. And he says this, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you abandoned, as we heard in the earlier story. I will not leave you destitute. I will not leave you defenseless. I will not leave you without resource. I will not abandon you. I will not orphan you. The Spirit of God is not an orphan spirit, but it's a Father spirit who comes and is there for us. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't leave us. He, he, he helps us. He, he comforts us. He strengthens us. He carries us. He delivers us into the future that He has intended for us. That's what he does for us. That, he helps us. If you continue in John chapter 14, verse 26, the advocate, the helper, the counselor, the comforter, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things. Anybody here need to know some things? Man, I do. I need to know. I mean, the Holy Spirit will tell you when to talk. He'll tell you when not to talk. You ever heard the Holy Spirit say, and he, doesn't, he probably doesn't say Jay to you. He says Jay to me, but he, he says, Jay, you shouldn't say that. Don't say that, Jay. And then you say it, and he's like, Jay, I told you not to say that. But he will, he'll teach us, or he'll teach us things to say. He'll say, Jay, say this. Jay, do this. In fact, our, 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 our um, Sue from our, our jail ministry team, she, the Lord gave her something specifically this morning to say that was a very specific word for the ladies in the jail, and it changed their life. They came to Christ because of what the Holy Spirit told Sue to say this morning. That's how the Holy Spirit works. He wants to teach us. And then he wants to remind us of everything that he has said to us. These red letters in the New Testament, Jesus is saying, obviously they didn't have a New Testament like this with red letters, but we, 2,000 years later, an application of that is the Holy Spirit wants to remind us of the things that Jesus has said. He wants to teach us. He wants to help us understand who God is and how he works. Because did you know that the Bible, the Word of God does not shape and form your theology? Did you know that? You know what shapes and forms your theology? The Bible that you know. The Bible that you remember. It's verses that you know and verses that you remember that shape your view of God and who He is and how He works. And so it's our responsibility is to pay attention to the words of our Lord Jesus. To read His Word, to hide it in our heart, to understand it, or to begin to, to grasp it, and then the Holy Spirit makes it come alive. He illuminates it. It makes sense, and He reminds us of it, so then we're able to live out this understanding of who God is and how He wants to work in our life. D does that make sense? You guys get that? I couldn't, I couldn't hear you. Do you guys, you guys get that? <laughs> All right. Okay, thank you. And so He comes, and He helps us. And He says, I want to give you peace. 
I don't want to give you peace as the world gives you. I don't want to I don't want to do that. I want to give you real peace. I want to give you lasting peace. Uh, he says here, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Because he's not, as I prayed, he's not given the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is not a spirit of fear. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. That's who the Holy Spirit is. That's what he has given to us. So he helps us by giving us peace. In John 15, 26. Again, Jesus, I'm skipping a lot. I'm skipping a lot. We have three chapters here. I'm just kind of working through this. John 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify of Me. The Spirit of truth. He helps us to know the truth. See, the devil is the father of lies. That's the only language he knows. He just knows lies. He knows deception. That's who he is, and that's what he does. And so, and then the culture, the world around us is full of lies. And so we have the enemy himself. He lies to us daily because you know not every thought you have is your own, right? That the enemy, he plants these seeds, these lies in our hearts and our minds. And, and, and of, of seeds of there's not going to be enough, or, or, or you're not enough, or God's not going to deliver you. God's not going to be all these lies that just be, get sown. Uh, in our hearts and our lives, and from the culture around us, trying to tell us who we need to be, um, trying to tell us what will make us happy, what will make us successful in life, what will give us value. We have all these lies just floating all around, just looking for a place to land. But the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, which separates lies from the truth, and we're able to understand the truth of who we are, who God is, what He's doing, what He wants to do, what He's provided, and we're able to move forward in that because of the Spirit of truth who is now in us who's in us and we can live that way chapter 16 verse 7 i'm so thankful he's our helper 16 7 this is what he says he says nevertheless i tell you the truth Uh, yours may say but i tell you the truth this one says but very truly i tell you let me put it in ozark's vernacular for you let me be honest with you You've said, you ever hear, let me be honest with you, or let me shoot straight with you, all right? This is what Jesus is saying, because he knows what he's about to say, they're going to have trouble believing. They're going to have trouble believing it's true, and so he's like, hey, I'm serious. This, I'm shooting straight with you. These are the facts. I'm being honest with you. This is the reality. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. And I think he started losing them a little bit right there, and they're like, What? It's to our advantage that you go away? We don't think so, Jesus. I mean, even a few hours later, Peter cuts um, Malchus's ear off the guard in the, in, the, in, the, in the garden because they're trying to take Jesus. Like, they, they weren't all on the same page here. Jesus even said later, he goes, you guys, you know, i got to stop because you guys can't handle any more of this. You, the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to lead you in all. He's going to teach you everything you know because you guys have you, you're, you've absorbed all you can absorb right now. This is it. You need the Holy Spirit to come and to lead you in this process of understanding all of who I am and what I'm doing. He said, but it's going to be better for you that I leave. It's better. And they're like, no, we don't think he said it is. And this is why it is because Jesus was, he was, he chose to limit himself to a, to a human body. God, man, 100% God, 100% man, but chose to limit himself to a human body. So he was in a, let's say he was in a, about a geographical area of like the Ozarks, okay? Limited to that geographical space and 33 years. There's limits to that. He never went to Africa. He never went to North America. He never went to South America. He was in this small geographic area for a very small amount of time. 
How does that translate to the kingdom of God being brought to all nations? How does that happen? That's what he said. It's better if I leave. Because if I leave, I will send another of the same kind. He's going to come and he's going to be with all of you. And that's how the Holy Spirit is able to be with all of us at the same time in us all over the world. And as we're able to carry the gospel forward. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. This is the one of the ways He helps us. Let me read this to you. I'm going to read through here, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to, I'm going to unpack it a little bit. Verse 8. When He comes, this is, how the, this is one of the ways the Holy Spirit helps us. When He comes, He will convict the world of guilt and regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So He's going to, and this word convict here, you know, we think of convict, we think of like a judge going, you know, convict sentencing a a conviction if you will but we get the idea convict from the idea of convincing the reason a judge would make a conviction is because he or she has been convinced that the evidence is actually true and so the holy spirit has come to convict or you could use the word convince or you could use the word persuade so the holy spirit has come to persuade the world in regard to to sin to righteousness and to judgment in regard to sin because men do not believe in me. Okay? So the Holy Spirit has come to convince those that do not believe in Jesus of sin. That's, the, that's one of the Holy Spirit's roles, is to convince us that we need a Savior. To convince us of our sin. Can you think back in your own heart? Can you think back in your own life to when you had an understanding, when you had a grasping, that the Holy Spirit persuaded you that you were in sin and you needed a Savior? Do you remember that moment? Do you remember that time? I remember I was three years old. I lived in Stillwater, Oklahoma, which is the home of Sonic, by the way. So, you know, that may come in helpful. So you just never know. So, so I lived in Stillwater, Oklahoma. My dad was in grad school. We lived in a married student housing. I mean, I remember this. I was sitting on the bed. My mom was sitting on the bed with me. I was three years old. I was bawling in tears, real tears, because I had, a whole, I had an understanding that I was a sinner, that I was going to die and go to hell. If I, didn't, if, if I were to die, I would go to hell. I mean, how, do you, how can you understand that at three? I don't know. I don't know, but I, I remember it to this day. That I knew I needed, see I was born into sin, we're all born into sin, we're all born as sinners, and then on top of that we sin, and we need the Holy Spirit to, to, to reveal that to us, to persuade us that we need a Savior, and if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, the Holy Spirit is here today persuading you to come to Christ, and then the Holy Spirit can, convinces us that we're sinners that need a Savior, and then He leads us to Jesus to be saved, and then we see that he convinces us in regard to righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. That the Holy Spirit comes to convince us of righteousness. What, what does that mean? Well, righteousness does not mean in this, what we're talking about right here, righteousness does not mean right behavior. Okay, those are not, and it doesn't say the Holy Spirit has come here to convince us of our unrighteousness. He's come here to convince us of our righteousness in Christ Jesus, that we need the help of the Holy Spirit to, for Him to convince and persuade us that Jesus has purchased our righteousness, that our righteousness is not based upon how good I am today or how bad I am today. It was settled when I put my faith in the work of Christ. When I received Him as my Lord and my Savior, I am now righteous in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 5.21, for God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Understanding that you have 
that we have to understand that we have this wonderful gift in Him. Does that make sense? Well, apart from the Holy Spirit's help, we will not understand that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit's help. And then finally, the the third thing in this passage the Holy Spirit does is in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. We need the conviction, the convincing, the persuading of the Holy Spirit for us to really grasp that Satan is a defeated foe, that he is not in charge, that he does not have authority over us, that when we're in Jesus, that if any lies, any trespassing, anything the devil tries to do, he is an outlaw, he is a trespasser, and he has no authority over our life. Does that help? Does that help you? That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Go ahead. It's all right. It's, I, I'm, I'm thankful. The Holy Spirit makes us aware we're lost. He leads us to Jesus. He persuades us we're in right standing. And He fills us with conviction that the devil is a defeated foe who has no authority over us. He has no authority over us. Number two. These will be fast, I promise. I had it front loaded. Number one, He's our helper. Number two, He's my friend. He's my friend. I don't want to be better friends with him. But let me add this disqualifier. He's my friend, but he's not weird, okay? He's not weird, okay? Did you know statistically one out of three people are weird? Did you know that? So you can look to your left, look to your right. I'm just not, no, it's not true. Statistically, it's one out of two people are are weird. You know, there's been so many of us come from different backgrounds we come from maybe there's been assembly of God background, maybe Baptist background, maybe Catholic background, maybe Methodist, maybe no church background at all. And so we all come with these preconceived ideas of who the Holy Spirit is. Some of us have seen excess. Some of us have seen craziness. I, I grew up in a church where there's just some crazy things. And it's like, really? You're weird. And you're saying that's the Holy Spirit? See, some of these people, they'd be weird without the Holy Spirit. It has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. They're just weird people. I'm, I'm just being honest. And so you can't equate somebody weird that uses the name of the Lord or Holy Spirit that that's the Holy Spirit. You know, he doesn't, they don't have a market. They haven't hijacked the Holy Spirit. But then others of you maybe have come from backgrounds where you didn't even talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was like the crazy uncle that you don't talk about, you don't send Christmas cards to, and you sure don't befriend him on Facebook because then they might show up in your life and in your family, Right? And so, you, so the Holy Spirit was treated like that. In fact, you were told to not even go to churches or be around people that talked about the Holy Spirit. How crazy is that the Holy Spirit is God. That's somebody saying, don't talk about God. Don't be around people that talk about God. That's just not biblical. That's, 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 just, that's just not right. The Holy Spirit really wants to be our friend. But Satan wants to twist it. He wants to accuse the Holy Spirit of being somebody he is not or doing things that He doesn't do in order to get us to back up or back away from the Holy Spirit working in our life. Real quickly, I'm going to tell you three things that as a pastor, as a teacher of the Word of God, that I experience the most spiritual warfare on when I'm dealing with, when I'm ministering on. The first one is, is who you are in Jesus and who the Lord has made you to be. There's so much just spiritual opposition begins to happen when you talk about that, about who you are in God. Number two is tithing. Okay, when I teach on tithing, the enemy doesn't like it, and and he fights it, because 
He knows what happens when people give 10% right off the top of their income to the local church, to the Lord, to the local church. That he, he knows that cities get changed, that lives get changed, that missions, the, the, the gospel gets taken around the world, and that individual families, their finances are radically altered. That, that he, the, because the Bible says that the Lord will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. He doesn't want to get rebuked. He doesn't want that to happen. So he fights that. And the third area is the Holy Spirit, that there's great spiritual conflict when, when, when I begin to teach about the Holy Spirit and his role in our life, because Satan does not want us to grasp this, because he has a memory, and he remembers back to the early church when Pentecost came, and the Holy Spirit moved upon a group of people, and they walked in unity, and the whole world was turned upside down because they walked in the Spirit and with the Spirit of God, and he does not want that to happen. He does not, and so he's brought confusion into the body of Christ regarding the Holy Spirit. He's brought accusation. He's tried to bring division, great division, into the body of Christ based upon the Holy Spirit. And a lot of it's based on one, just one gifts, one gift of the Spirit of tongues. He's brought great division in the body of Christ over one thing. And he's been successful to some degree. But I believe the Lord is wanting to do a new thing on the earth. He's wanting to bring unity in the body of Christ. He's wanting to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And and I want our church to be a part of what God is doing. Number three, the very last thing is he is my God. That he is God. The Holy Spirit is God. We don't have any problems hearing that God the Father. But it's also Jesus the God. We'd say Father God. We could say Jesus God, but are we uncomfortable saying Holy Spirit God? Because He's equal. He's equal. He is God. Uh, Almost every passage I read this morning lists all three of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all in the same place at the same time. If you go back and read those verses, you'll see that it's true. Even in, even in Luke, where he's being baptized, there's Jesus in the water, there's the Holy Spirit descending upon him, and there's the Father saying, this is my beloved Son. They are equal. He is God. He is God. A.W. Tozier said this. I think it's great. He said, all that the Son is, the Holy Spirit is. All that the Father is, the Holy Spirit is. And the Holy Spirit is in his church. And what we will find him to be, what will we find him to be like? He will be exactly like Jesus. You've read your New Testament and you know what Jesus is like. And the Holy Spirit is exactly like Jesus. For Jesus was and is God and the Spirit is God. And the Father is exactly like the Son. And you can know what Jesus is like by knowing what the Father is like. And you can know what the Spirit is like by knowing what Jesus is like. Wow, isn't that good? Isn't that good? Ushers, would you guys and gals, would you prepare to distribute communion this morning? And just hold it and get it ready, but don't distribute it just yet. We're going to take another three or four minutes and partake in communion this morning. This is open to... To open it to anybody here. You don't have to be a member of the church. It's for the church of Christ. And if you have not put your faith in Jesus yet, if you're being convinced of your sin, that right now in this moment is the time and is the place to surrender your heart, to surrender your life to Jesus, to give your life to Jesus. You could even begin to do it now and say, Jesus, take me. I surrender my heart. I surrender my life. I give it to you even now. You can do it even now. I want you to think about this question. 
as we are beginning, you guys can go ahead and begin to distribute communion. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? And Josiah is going to sing a song. And as he sings this song, just ask the Holy Spirit to answer this question as you sit there in contemplative prayer.